unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, my pleasure to welcome back to the show once again ESPN college football analyst Rini Ngoya. Rini, as always, it is great to have you back. Jeff, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yes, it's uh, always great to talk college football with you. And first, I want to start off talking about uh, uh, your assignments, your most recent one, and the one you got coming up because uh, you're getting a lot of college football tradition work in this month. So, uh, uh, last week, the victory bell between Cincinnati and Miami of Ohio, and I guess going into that game, that series is all even at 57, yeah, 57, and oh, 7. God, I'm sorry. Yeah, 57, 57, and 7. And uh, Cincinnati now dominates that series. But uh, tell me what it's like uh, covering a, a contest like that. It has that kind of significance. Yeah, so that's actually the second time I've covered that game. And it was uh, it was neat this year because it was at Paycor Stadium um, where the Bengals play. So, that, you know, good crowd. It's crazy because when you do the research in there, as you said, the series was dead tied. Um, it started, I want to say 1888 was the first um, game played between the two. And Cincinnati had not led in the series since 1915. Now, they've won the last 15, so they've dominated it. Um, but, yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a fun matchup, a fun rivalry, and one that both coaches said they still want to play. So the contract signed through 2029, so they're definitely going to play through there. Obviously, as we know, Cincinnati will be going to the Big 12 along with UCF and Houston out of the American and, of course, BYU. Um, so they're still going to play it. Now, Chuck Martin, the head coach of Miami, Ohio, he obviously wants to still play it, but, you know, it, it's kind of it's un, kind of unfair because you know, he's kind of getting his head banged in because Cincinnati is a, is a power five team for all intents and purposes. Okay. Next year they will be officially, but they are this year. So Miami of Ohio plays three power five teams to start their year, you know, and really in the first four or five games. So it, it's just hard and it's not a money game. So they're not getting money for playing Cincinnati because it's a robbery game. So I think once this contract ends in 2029, when they renew the next one, I think it can be a win-win for both. They can keep the rivalry going, and I think Cincinnati could probably pay, you know, be a money game and pay Miami and help them out. But, you know, and it's funny. So Chuck Martin, he said, listen, and they do. They have a very good front seven defensively. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you watched the Miami game against Kentucky um, to start the season, it was 13-10 at halftime. I mean, they were right in there. But the issue with a school like Miami of Ohio is they just – they don't have the depth, right, the depth of talent, and it's really hard for them to sustain those games. And the same exact thing happened to them um, against Cincinnati. They were in there at halftime, and then, you know, Cincinnati basically went on a 31-0 run to end the game, you know, to win it. So it's just really hard for them. But games like that pay dividends for him once he gets in a conference in Mac play. So, yeah, it's a fun game to call. And really, if you look at the noon games on Saturday – uh, ours was the most competitive at noon, so I'm sure we had some good eyeballs on it. So it was a great game for ESPNU to have. Yeah, no no question about that. And uh, you get to go right back into it this week as the Iron Skillet is up for grabs once again between SMU and TCU. And this has been a pretty really a really good ball game the last several years. Uh, what, what What's your assessment going into this one? I'm super excited for this one. So as, you know... Uh, in case you, if your listeners don't know, so I primarily do the game. My, my package is an ESPNU package. 
So I get what, what comes to ESPNU, and I'll do the occasional ESPN2 and then the bowl game on ESPN, but, you know, my season, I get the ESPNU, so you never know what programming is going to do. So programming at ESPN, those, those people, they're the ones that kind of input the games, right? And we were on a six-day pick this week, so we didn't find out till, till Sunday night what we were going to do. So I didn't think this game was going to fall to EU. I thought it was going to go to E2. Um, and so once the schedule started to come out, I, it was kind of a win-win situation for me because I knew, okay, I was either going to get um, the Iron Skillet, TCU-SMU, or I was going to get Georgia Tech-UCF. So obviously if I had Georgia Tech-UCF, you know, I lived 15 minutes from, from UCF, and I did Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago, so my prep would have been really easy. Get to sleep in my own bed. But I, I got uh, the iron skill, which I'm totally good with. So for those that don't know, Sonny Dykes, the head coach at TCU, was the head coach at SMU for the last three years. You know, I had a really good record I, off the top of my head. I think he was 25-8 and eight there, if my math's right, in, in three seasons. Could, be, could have been a little better. Um, did a really nice job there, but just... You know, took the job, um, for, it, it's literally about 45 minutes away, for those that don't know, from SMU's campus to TCU's campus. It's really close. So Sonny Dykes takes that job over. Rhett Lashley comes in. He was the OC last year at uh, Miami, Miami, Florida. Not to be confused, obviously, we were talking Miami, Ohio. <laughs> he comes over as the head coach now at SMU. I got a good relationship with him. I think he's going to be a dynamite uh, head coach. So, yeah, some great storylines there. And, of course, it's a rivalry game. And uh, my understanding, uh, it's obviously it's uh, at SMU on their home campus. Their home stadium is already sold out, I'm told. So it should be just a lot of fun. And, of course, you know, Tanner Mordecai, the uh, quarterback for SMU, very talented. So, obviously, he's going up against um, – you know, his former offense coordinator, his former head coach. So it's just, there's a lot of built-in stories there. So I'm excited for that one. And, of course, that's a that's a 12 Eastern time uh, kick on ESPNU, which is 11 a.m. local time there in Dallas. So I'm excited for that one. Always good to uh, start the game with, day with a nice uh, rivalry matchup like that one. Yeah, and of course, you know, uh, you, it was already a terrific rivalry, but, you know, Sonny Dyke switching sides sure makes it spicy, doesn't it? <laughs> well, and it was interesting. So I did two SMU games last year. I did the SMU-UCF game last year. And at the end of the season, you know, the rumor mill was a buzz, and you kind of could read the tea leaves, and you kind of thought, okay, Sonny Dykes is going to take that TCU job. I mean, he, he, he could essentially, you know, how many times can a coach – um, take a new job at you know at a power five school and and really for all intents and purposes stay in his house like he really didn't have to move i'm curious if he did move i'll meet with him in person on friday so i'm curious if he stayed in the same house or if he kind of moved a little closer to campus but i mean it's 45 minutes so he could have stayed but yeah and so doing those uh, calls with him those zoom calls last year was it was awkward because you know he you could tell he was dancing around it, but yeah, you knew uh, you knew he was going to take that job when it was all said and done, and he ultimately did. Yeah. So early in the college football season, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, the usual intrigue where you get uh, several interesting upsets. Of course, you know, the Sun Belt uh, had their had their big heyday a week ago uh, as they ran through some big victories. Obviously, capped off by uh, uh, App State beating Texas A and M. Uh, but uh, you look at you look at the Sun Belt, and I see this conference. It's like you know, 
after the moves happen, you know, with uh, UCF and Cincinnati and Houston going to the Big 12, I could almost see the Sun Belt surpassing the AAC as the top of the group of five. And don't think that's not on the mind of Commissioner Keith Gill from the Sun Belt because they are going to push the American. Now the American is going to get some good teams in, and the teams that are left, the you know, SMU, Memphis, still going to be strong. But make no doubt about it. I've done a lot of Sun Belt games uh, over the past couple of years. They are going to push the American. Um, I think you know. I think if, as you look at it, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, I think it's fair to say the American was the top group of five team, and probably. Mountain West, and then Sunbelt, right? And I think I agree with you wholeheartedly with those additions and with the teams uh, they've had that are playing good. They're no doubt going to push the American for being the top group of five team uh, conference. Yeah, no question about that. And, of course, uh, talk, let's talk a little bit. You know, you've obviously seen App State quite a bit. And, you know, what what a great treat for college game day to go to Boone, North Carolina. Uh, you know, I love it when game day goes, you know, fresh environments like this. And you see the fan bases and the excitement and the pageantry of college football. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I've been, you know, I'm fortunate that um, the games I get, I mean, I've probably been to Boone. I've probably called four games there. And I've, I've called... I called a couple games there when, when uh, Ash State was still an FCS team, um, and then I called a uh, Halloween night game there on ESPNU a couple years ago. I think they played Louisiana, if my memory is correct. So, yeah, I've been there a bunch. I love Boone, North Carolina. And, and the only knock, it's, it's hard to get to. So, you know, when I go there, I fly into – I was telling someone this the other night because I'm a creature of habit. I fly into Charlotte, and it's, you know, it's a couple hours from Charlotte up the hill. You know, you, you literally drive up the hill and – about 15 minutes from the airport to get where you start going up the hill, and there's a Dunkin' Donuts right there, and I always get, like, a large Dunkin' Donuts. I put on the local sports radio talk show, and I just you take that ride. It's a beautiful drive, so I don't mind it at all. So it was, it was funny hearing, like, Kirk Herb Street and all those guys say, yeah, they've never been there, um, but it is an awesome site, and I, and I do, too. I love it when game day goes to places like that, especially ones that are deserving, those fan bases, and you see how – how they show up, and uh, so yeah, it's a great place. And then, boy, what a game for them to win! I mean, I feel for Troy. I just, you know, it's just when you see a team lose on a hail mary like that, it's it's gut wrenching for them, but it's so uh, you know exciting for the team that wins too. So, I mean, they could have easily been three and zero. They they could have beat North Carolina. Another exciting game. So yeah, App State is one uh, that will be there fighting for a Sun Belt championship. I, I tell you. Out of all the conferences, I think the most parity, you know, at the top may be in the Sun Belt when it's all said and done between, you know, Marshall in there now. Um, you know, JMU just steps right in from FCS and is competing at a high level. Um, Coastal Carolina, of course. Uh, Louisiana, as I mentioned. I mean, there's a there's a handful of teams that you could see winning the Sun Belt. But, yeah, Appalachian State is a fun team to watch. And, of course, uh, at the top of the college football world are the Georgia Bulldogs, the reigning national champions. And uh, so far, they look the part again <laughs> come, come 2022. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and I agree with the voters. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, for the first time, Jeff, when I – so a couple weeks ago, as I said, I had Georgia Tech. So that was a, that was a 7 p.m. kick. So I was able to watch the Alabama-Texas game. And it was the first time I ever said to myself that, man, I just – it looks like a Nick Saban team wasn't ready to play. They just didn't look ready to play for me, and they just never got going. I mean, listen, 
give Coach Sarkeesian in Texas credit, you know. And, and the one thing you can say about Texas is, you know, they haven't the last couple of years, they're trying to find themselves and new coaches. There's talent on that team. There, there always has been talent because that program, uh, you know, has recruited well. But, you know, they, they showed up and, and probably should have beaten Alabama. So, but Alabama fights and gets the win. So, but the fact that, you know, if they flip flop Georgia and Alabama, I completely agree. Georgia just, you know, is a, is a well-oiled machine. You know, everyone kind of wants to look at, you know, issues with Stetson Bennett and this, that, and the other. The kid just wins. He does what he needs. He makes plays. He, he runs the offense. And, of course, dominating defense as well. So, yeah, Georgia right now, clearly the best team in college football. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, Alabama, they, they did have that struggle with Texas, but did ultimately come out on top. And, of course, you know, you have uh, Ohio State, you know, in typical uh-huh state fashion. They're right up there, too. Uh, you, you know, do you see much variance happening through the course of this football season uh, outside of the uh, outside of the top few teams? I mean, I don't, unfortunately. You know, Michigan looks real good, but Michigan hasn't played anyone yet, right? So, you know, and, and really, I don't see anyone beating them until they get to the Ohio State game. Uh, Clemson's the one I thought was going to uh, get back to the college football playoff this year, and they still might. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, Oklahoma looks good, but really – you know, it's, I really think it's those, you know, and everyone's been saying this, so I'm, and it's nothing new. I think it's really those three, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and I think it's going to be a fight for the other spot, um, which I know is going to drive people nuts if, if two SEC teams make it again. But, listen, I've been a proponent of the 12-team playoff for a while now. Finally, it's going to happen. Uh, the question is now, as fans, is, you know, how quick, right? How quick can we make it happen? Um and I think that's good for college football. And, you know, I was listening to a talk uh, a talk show today, uh, radio, sports show, and they were happy about the 12, And but callers were saying, well, you know, it's going to be the usual suspect. Well, yeah, it, maybe it is at the end of the day, but, boy, what a, well, number one, what a premium it puts on for winning your conference championship, right? Games are going to matter. Conference championships are going to matter. That's first and foremost. Number two, the group of five will always have a seat at the table. They're always going to have, uh, at worst-case scenario, they're always going to get a team in the playoffs, right? And that, that's really something good for them going into the season, right? So that's great as well. And it's just going to give more people opportunities to see better matchups. And the other thing, and Nick Saban said this the other day, I think it's going to limit the opt-outs, right? Because right now we're seeing – players opt out going you know getting ready for the draft on year six bowl games we're not seeing on you know the semifinal games for the college football playoffs so i think if if you have a 12 team playoff and those games are important i think players are going to stay so we're going to see all the best players so no doubt the 12 team playoffs needed i think everyone knows that it's coming and i think it'll be it'll be better for college football yeah and of course you know we we were talking a little bit about the uh, the big 10 with ohio state michigan you know Penn State has entered the chat too, and you know if, they, if that Penn State team that we saw this past weekend is the one that we get all season, they could be knocking on the door. Well, there's another one that one I cannot believe they handed it to Auburn like they did at Auburn. So kudos, yeah, kudos to, to Penn State. I haven't seen them this year at all, but you know I'm looking at their schedule. I mean they play Central Michigan, Northwestern, so they're going to be five and zero. Going into that Michigan game, it's at Michigan, October fifteenth. So that's going to be that's going to be a really good game. 
Um, they also have Ohio State on the schedule. So, yeah, Penn State is one that they have the schedule in front of them, right? If they went out and win the Big Ten, they're going to make it to the college football playoffs. So there's, there's still some really good storylines there. So I know a couple minutes ago you asked me, is it Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and everyone else? Yeah, it is. But with that said, there is some programs like Penn State, you know, that can that can upset the apple cart. Michigan, they have the games in front of them where they can do it. So I think there's still a lot of excitement um, left in college football this year for sure. And, and we've seen a ton of it already. We're only in, you know, week four. So what do you make of the Florida Gators still being in the top 25? I'm a little bit sketchy on that myself. Of course, they got the Tennessee uh, that game this weekend. So what are, what are your thoughts on the Gators? Yeah, so they did what they had to do against Utah, right? So, and everyone said, okay, they've turned the corner, they're there. Uh, but obviously they're not. Um, I will say this. I will say this. Um, I'm, I'm a Billy Napier fan, okay? And I just think it's probably a little unfair um, to think that he was going to step in year one, right, and really just bring them back to prominence. Um, I think expectations got jolted, right, when they beat a very good Utah team. They did. Um, but, you know, college football's hard. You have to you have to stay in the moment. Now, USF, and I, I've said this before, now USF has a horrendously tough schedule. They just do. So they were my... They were my pick in American Conference media days to be the surprise American team. Now, the surprise could be four wins, right? Four or five wins, which would be light years, you know, more wins than what they've had. I think they have that much talent on their team with Gary Bohannon. They played out. Now, I didn't get a chance to see that game against Florida, but I, I talked to a lot of friends of mine that are Florida alums, that are big Florida fans, and they said, listen, USF uh, outplayed us. They should have won the game. Um, but they didn't. Florida won it, so um, chalk it up, move on. But we're gonna we're gonna find out um, everything you want to know about Florida uh, against when they play Tennessee, because we know Tennessee can score points. So it's time for them to buck up and see what they can do against the ball. So I think it, it, it'll be it'll be very telling um, how they play against Tennessee, and uh, we will find out shortly. Uh, what happens in that game as they go on the road this Saturday. Yeah, and how about Florida State getting off to a 3-0 start and uh, third year under Mike Norvell, and they get the get the victory over Louisville with their backup quarterback. Yeah, so I'm, I'm an old man, Jeff, so I went to sleep because um, I had the noon game. Uh, at halftime, I fell asleep, so I woke up and then turned on the TV and saw that they came back in one. So, I, you know, I've known Mike Norvell for for a while now because I did a lot of Memphis games when he was there. I'm a big fan of Mike Norvell, and you know he's one of those coaches that took over. And there's a there's a handful of them that took over when there was kind of upheaval, right? They had, they dealt with you know a lot of the programs were going through the social uh, justice movement and dealing with that, and then COVID hit, and so there was just a lot of moving parts for a lot of these these new coaches, and he went through all of that. And I think he's weathered it nicely. Now, you know, do they have holes and things they need to fix? They absolutely do. But the fact that they can go on the road, uh, the backup quarterback come in, they can hang in there, fight, get a win on the road against a conference opponent, uh, you know, kudos to them. 3-0. and And listen, I'm one of those fans, and I just don't say it because I live in Florida. College football is better 
when Florida State, Florida, and Miami are winning. It, it just is, you know. So I'd like to see those three. And, of course, it's always good if UCF and, and USF can win as well. We'll throw all the Florida schools in there. Heck, FAU, too, even though uh, the Knights took it to them last weekend. Yeah, let's talk about the Knights real quick. So uh, sure. two and one on the season. Uh, I I've got a feeling they might look back at that Louisville game as as, as an opportunity lost. Uh, uh, you know, they 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 played great defensively, but offensively they just uh, went the tank in the second half. They look like they got things uh, back a little bit more on track this past week. What is your assessment of the night season so far? Yeah, so that's that's the funny thing, right, Jeff? When's the last time you can think back to the UCF team where you said? Defense kept you in the game. Defense puts you in the position a couple times in the second half to win that game, and the offense couldn't come through. I, I, I can't remember. It's kind of been reversed where the offense has scored points after points after points. You know, so it's kind of nuts. But I'm with you. I think when it's all said and done, they're going to kick themselves for letting that one slip away because that was a game they could have and should have won. But you got to learn from it. After all, you got to learn from it. So. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt them in conference. We know that. Um, but it ultimately, if things play out the way UCF and UCF fans want them to, at the end of the day, it could possibly hurt them for a New Year's Six Bowl game um, if, if they can play as well as I think people think they can. But all you can do is learn from it. Uh, but I, I think if you're a UCF fan, you're thrilled with the defensive play. Um, you know, T. Will's got them playing good. That's great, and I think you're right. I think the offense uh, will, will find their find their stride. And John, now correct me. So I haven't I haven't heard a lot, but it's it's I guess it's John uh, Rice Plumley now, right? Because years ago when he was at Ole Miss, I always thought it was John Reese Plumley. So did so I. You can probably help me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he did change that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I'm right. So it's John Rice Plumley now. So. Listen, I, I, I said, going back to the American Conference media days, I thought he was going to be the starter all along. Um, and it's, it's not a knock on Mikey Keene. I just think John Rice Palmer fits Gus Melzahn's offense to a team, what he wants to do with zone read. And, I, you know, and really the knock on John Rice Palmer was uh, his accuracy, right? And I, and I think it's a work in progress, but he can make the throws. And when you can hurt defenses with the running game with your quarterback it makes those throwing lanes so much bigger and so much easier so once you get the one going uh the other one falls into place and make no mistake about it Gus Melzahn's offense even though it's kind of a spread it's always been a run first so um I I think they're going to be fine offensively I really do think it was just kind of a a, a, you know an outlier or roadblock that offensively they they hit against Louisville which I don't think will happen uh uh, and if you're UCF and you hope doesn't happen the rest of the year. Well, of course, uh, Reedy, we always uh, enjoy uh, talking college football with you. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And, of course, uh, we wish you a great call uh, this coming uh, Saturday for the Iron Skillet. Thanks, Jeff. Anytime, my friend. Have a great season uh, following college football. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs.
Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Cell is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.